Yeah. In Matthew chapter 17, we're moving all the way down um, into verse number 16. Uh, verse 15. There was a, a, a time here where this person was filled or controlled by a demonic spirit, and the Lord's disciples had come to this, this, this child, and they were trying to help out. But how many of you know, they ran into a situation that they were not accustomed to. They didn't know what to do. They tried everything they knew to do, and nothing seemed to work. You know, there's times in our lives that we get in our in a situation, and you see the things going on in the world today, and we're all in a new place. We're in new situations. We're confronted with new realities every day These in this season that we're in. But these, these disciples, they came up into a situation that was different for them, and they didn't know what to do. Everything that they tried to do failed. Amen? Have you felt like that in your faith, that everything you've tried to do has failed? I've tried this, I've tried that. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she tried every doctor in town. She probably tried standing on top of her head, doing somersaults. She tried, you know, eating this berry and, you know, getting this leaf. And she probably tried every, every, you know, old wives' tale. She probably went to every doctor. She tried everything until she heard about Jesus. And then she didn't try Jesus. She received Jesus. When she went by faith and she touched the hem of his garment, faith made her whole. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, thy faith has made thee whole. It was that sincere, simplistic faith that she had in Jesus that changed the situation. But what I want you to see this morning is that nobody told her that. It was the Spirit of God that impressed that upon her. And there's going to be times in our lives that we come up in the situation when we don't necessarily have a direction for We may not have a, a map for it. We may not have the exact, the exact terminology for the situation that we're in. And that's when it's important that you know God. Because here's what I want you to see this morning. Because right praying will fix wrong situations. You might get in a wrong situation and you may not know exactly how to deal with it. You may not know exactly how to deal with a drunk spouse or a wayward child. You may not know exactly how to deal with a sickness that you got going on or a demon that you're dealing with. But I want you to know that if you'll begin to pray right, that situation will get right. God's here to tell you this morning that he still moves and he still answers prayer. And if you'll get into the prayer closet and get to praying right, God will get to moving right but until we get things right with God and if we keep going to other people for help and we keep going to witch doctors and we keep standing on our head and we keep visiting every other place in town we're never going to see deliverance only right praying will fix wrong situations now, sometimes God will fix it, and sometimes God will fix you. You might be the one wrong. You might be looking at it through foggy glasses, and God might help you out. But the reality is, until we start praying right, the situation's going to stay wrong. They came into a situation that was wrong. How many of you know God doesn't want anybody filled with a demon? God's not willing that any perish. God's good. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Amen. God is good. God doesn't want these people filled with demons. It's a bad situation. But nothing changed 
until right prayer was made. And it was through Jesus that this happened. Let's pick this passage up here in Matthew 17. Let's move into verse number 15. He said, uh, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic, sore vexed, for oftentimes he followed into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Now, there's a couple of things I would just like to just simply point out right here. Here's the religious spirit, right? Because they're not humble, because if they were humble about it, they would ask Jesus right there, Why couldn't we do that? But they had to wait until nobody was around. Amen. So, you know, whenever you're really repentant and you're really ready to, to hear an answer, you don't care who sees your tears. You don't care who sees your snot. You don't care who sees you come to the altar. You don't care who sees you fall down on your face before Jesus. It's just like that woman with the issue of blood. She pressed through that crowd. She didn't care what happened to her as long as she got what she needed. But yet they waited, they waited, they, they waited until nobody was there. Come on now. Think about it. They waited till nobody was there. That tells you that they didn't have everything worked out yet. They were still being taught. They were still being trained. They were still being purified. They hadn't yet received Pentecost. They hadn't yet been empowered. They were still in training. In other words, they still had the training wheels on. And, and the Lord's giving them a lesson here while they got those training wheels on. They're not exactly sure how to help people, how to heal people, how to deliver people. You don't see that until the book of Acts. You don't see any of that until Acts. This is the training wheel time. And the Lord here is giving an important lesson about right praying. And they said, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do it, Lord? What was the problem? Did we say the wrong words? Did we not sing the right worship song? Did we not have on the right tie? Did, did, we, did we have on the wrong shoes? Did, did, what did we do wrong? Notice what the Lord says here. Why could we not cast them out? Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Full stop right there. That encompasses everything. If we didn't have unbelief, we'd pray right. Now, he breaks it down a little bit further, but full stop, it's because we don't believe that we don't receive. God has not stopped moving in the lives of men. The devil wants you to think that God don't work no more. The, the devil wants you to think that you should stop trying. The devil wants you to think that you should just offer up some weak, impotent prayer and expect things to move, but God's calling on you to get real. If you really believe you'll really press in. Amen? Well, you know, Lord, uh, I just want to see this thing changed. Uh, uh, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I, just, I, I hope that you can save my child from perishing in hell. You know, if you really believe hell's real and you really believe that your child's in danger of hell, you wouldn't pray like that. 
you, you would pin your ears back. You would, you would roll your sleeves up. You would get down to business and you would fight and you would labor and you would grab hold and you would go before the throne of God and you wouldn't stop until you got an answer. You would petition and you would cry out and you would call on the name of the Lord and you would seek His face and you would fall on yours and then God would move, right? God still lifts burdens when people pray. There's an old saying that saints used to have. It's called praying through. And you know that there's issues that we, we don't pray through anymore? We give them lip service. We say, Lord, touch them. Lord, touch that. Lord, touch this. But we don't pray it through. We don't grab hold of it, take it to the throne, and, and bring it before the Lord and let it sit there and say, Lord, I'm not moving until this is changed. This is bothering me. It needs healing. They need deliverance. They need to be saved. They need to be set free. And Lord, I'm just going to keep bringing this up to you. Just like that woman, you know, she kept on laboring before the Lord about her daughter. She said, Lord, I know that I'm a dog, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from under the master's table. And, and the Lord moved. The Lord healed her daughter that hour because she didn't give lip service to what she wanted. She had belief that the answer would come from God. She had belief that Jesus would move that mountain. And Jesus immediately, his first response to the disciples right here is because of your unbelief. In other words, when you truly believe Jesus will hear you and answer you and deliver you, you'll come to him and you won't stop. Listen, I'm here to tell you government won't help you out in your time, in your crisis hour. Men and women will fail you. Chariots will fail you. Horses will fail you. But we are called to trust in the name of the Lord our God. God will not fail you. He will not forget you. He will not forsake you. He will sustain you and strengthen you and he will heal you of what ails you if you'll call on him. If you'll believe. This morning he said, he said it's because of your unbelief. Look, He said for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain. Now we don't have to get crazy right here, but a lot of us got mountains. Come on. Your mountain might be the person sitting next to you. Your mountain might be the bills at home. Your mountain might be the health issue. Or it could be like this person, this guy, he had a child that was filled with a demon. How many of you know that'll hurt a mama? That'll hurt a daddy. And when you've tried everything else and nothing works... Look, that's a mountain. So we're not talking about just, oh, Lord, I hope that I can make it on time. Oh, Lord, I hope that I get that, you know, a, a, a this or a that. We're talking about a real mountain. We're talking about an, an issue. Amen? So he said, you, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing, nothing shall be impossible unto you now look at this look at this next part he said how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting you see there's something we're going to get into this morning and i want you to hear this that there's some things that that will not affect change until you pray right 
There are some things in life that you can't fight your, your way out of a wet paper sack about. You know what? The Lord didn't say, this kind don't come out except that you worship to the right, to the right song or to the right beat. He didn't say, this kind don't come out except that you dress right and belong to the right church and begin to do this right and do that right. He didn't say that. He said, this kind, it don't come out except by prayer and fasting. In other words, right praying changes wrong situations. There's one of the things about our generation is they think that they can worship their way through sin. They think that they can worship their way through and bring deliverance. They can sing their way out of of bondage, but you can't. You can't sing change broken. You can't worship your way out of demonic oppression. You can't worship your way out of these situations. You can't worship your way out of wrong situations. It's only when you come back to this place of praying right. Prayer and fasting. God never called us to go to City Hall and set up a worship concert. He called us to go and preach the gospel. He called us to labor in prayer. He called, look, worship, worship happens whenever you start praying right. Worship happens from a heart that's right with God, but you'll never get right with God until you begin to pray right to God. It is prayer and fasting that chases demons. It is prayer and fasting that heals sickness. It is prayer and fasting that delivers demons out of folks. It is prayer and fasting that moves mountains. It is prayer and fasting that the church needs today. And I'm not talking about fasting will of fortune. The Lord had no idea. He was not talking about you not watching your favorite show for a month. He was talking about skipping food because your body needs food to live. And what fasting does, you simply put, is it tells God, I need you more than I need food. I need you more than I need food, more than I need physical nourishment. I need a change in the spirit. I need a mountain moved, and I'm willing to forsake that which I need naturally so that I can receive what I need spiritually. If fasting will of fortune ain't going to cut it, and trying to worship your way out of chains ain't going to cut it. It's not until you realize what Jesus said right there. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, this kind don't come out except by prayer and fasting. He didn't say you can worship your way out of this. He said you got to pray your way out of this. You've got to get right with God in order to make the situation right with God. Now, we see in our generation, there's a worship cult going on. People believe that they can worship no matter how wrong their heart is. And we learned in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, this is exactly what Isaiah said. He, the, God spoke through Isaiah to the nation of Israel, and he said, away with your new moons, away with your Sabbath, away with your feasts. He said, they stink to me. Their worship stunk to God because their heart wasn't right with God. In other words, God didn't want them to keep the Sabbath. He didn't want them to honor Him through the feast. He didn't want them to bring any sacrifices, any oblations. He didn't want any of that until they reasoned with God for the sin that was in them and they got right with God. He famously said in that verse, though your sins are as scarlet, he said, come reason with me. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be made white as snow. God didn't want their worship until they were made white as snow in their heart. 
That's what God's looking for. And once we begin to pray like that, we'll begin to see changes in the situations around us. It is prayer and fasting that changes this. Amen? So worship won't deliver those chains. Worship won't, won't, won't loose those things. And I'm just picking on that because that's one of the things that our society falls for right now. They believe that they can, they can raise a hallelujah and come out of the darkness. Look, this person would still be filled with a demon. This person would still go to, and, 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 and be bound in these chains, in these fetters, if Jesus had not told the disciples, this kind doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Right praying, amen? Right praying will, will change a wrong situation. Now, I want to touch on something, though. If you will, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. As you do, I'll just tell you this. I want to touch on this. This morning, there's times that we get in situations that are unfamiliar or new territory. I don't think that Daniel, whenever Daniel went to Babylon, I don't think that Daniel ever had, I don't think that Daniel ever had a manual that said, if you get taken captive in Babylon, don't eat the meat of the king. I don't think he had that. I think he had a heart that was right with God. And when he found himself in Babylon, he knew that he would defile that. He knew that he would defile his walk with God. Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 20. There you go. Second Kings chapter 20. But Daniel, he, he knew, even though there was nothing written, he knew that he would defile God if he did it. Think about it. Think about it. There are so many times. Look, do you, do you realize that Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have a Bible? Leonard Ravenhill famously preached that. He said, you know what? We're going to stand in worse judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah because we've got a witness against us. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have a Sodom and Gomorrah before it that said, hey, if you continue in this homosexual stuff, you're going to be destroyed. If you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed. They didn't have that. We got it. And yet we're continuing down that road to destruction. It's not going to change until the church comes back to this place of prayer and fasting. You don't think that we can change it? Yes, we can change it. Yes, we can change it. God changes nations when his people pray. You know, one of the most famous quotes that people will, will, will th start throwing out, which they haven't thrown out lately, but 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, right? God told Solomon, when things start going wrong, when I withhold the rain, when nothing's going right, when there's pestilence, which is a disease, which is a sickness. He said, when there's pestilence in the land, he said, if my people who were called by my name, what, what? Humble themselves, seek my face, what? Pray, repent. What will he do? He'll heal our land. Listen, I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. God was not waiting on the wicked to repent. He was waiting on the church to humble themselves and call on Him and seek His face and pray. God was waiting on His people to pray right. He wasn't waiting on the wicked to turn. He was waiting on the righteous to pray right. And, and, and God said, if the, if the righteous will pray right, I'll heal the land. The wicked don't know any better. You didn't know any better before you got saved. You was just partying it out. 
But now you have a holy duty before God, which is to stand in the gap for those that aren't right yet. To stand in the gap for those that are outside the kingdom of God. To stand in the gap for those that are lost. You've got a holy duty to do that, to to perform that function. And through prayer, you can change a nation. Through prayer. Through prayer, Jesus just showed you, you can move a mountain. Through prayer, you can, look, we as the church of the living God, if we'll band together and just drop some of the denominational nonsense and drop the six flags over Jesus nonsense and, and drop the, you know, worshiping at the Capitol Hill nonsense and drop the signing people up for political party nonsense and drop all that stuff and just humble ourselves and seek the face of God and pray and join together in Jesus' name, we'll see God move a mountain again. We'll see God heal this land. We'll see God use this nation to preach the gospel to all nations. We can do that. Whenever God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he was talking to Abraham, and Jesus and Abraham were having this conversation, and Abraham said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, no. In other words, if there would have been 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, as bad as you think it is, and it was that bad, as bad as you think Sodom and Gomorrah is, if there would have been 10 lots, if there would have been 10 people like Lot, God wouldn't have killed them all. Now, the thing that I want you to think about is how many people in America will it take to preserve this nation? to be salt for this nation, to be light for this nation. How many will it take? We don't know. We don't know exactly what all is going to unfold, but I know this. I know this, that if the church will seek the face of God, God will move. You see, those disciples, when they, when they were presented with this problem and they didn't know how to deliver this person from this demon spirit, they didn't know what to do, but they knew to go to Jesus about it. They took this guy to Jesus, right? And Jesus is the one that cast them out through prayer and fasting, through prayer and fasting. Now, why is that important? And I'm going to show you this. But why is that important? Because Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus is God, but for 33 years, he lived here as, you know, in, in humanity, in a house of flesh. And he prayed often. Oftentimes, he went out to the mountains and prayed to the Father and got strength from the Father. And one of the things that he says is that this happened through prayer and fasting, which showed you, which shows you that Jesus walked in it, in season and out of season. In other words, he didn't have to come up into a situation and say, now, hold on just a minute. Let me go get right, and then I'll pray. Let, let me go ask my pastor what I should do right now, and then we'll pray. Let me go fix some things. He wouldn't, you know, there was no issue in his life that he had to fix in order to do this. In other words, he was living the reality. He was living the reality. And that, what that s- speaks to is integrity. Integrity in your walk with God. Not being duplicious. You know what that means? Fancy word for two-faced. Jesus didn't live a double life. He didn't live two-faced. He didn't, he didn't preach one way on Sunday and live a different way on Monday. But in reality, he lived the same way that he preached all the time. And when you begin to live the way that you preach all the time, you'll be able to pray right in wrong situations. 
And if you and, and just think about it, there's wrong situations all around you. There's times that somebody may, you know, fall into sickness around you. There's times that somebody may get involved with someone they shouldn't get involved with and all the ramifications of that. There may be a time when you get around somebody that's filled with a demon. There may be a time when you get around a situation where somebody's, you know, in bondage to drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be, that you need to be that vessel that can break those chains. And God will use you to break those chains if you'll believe. Now, I want to share with you this passage here, and we'll, we'll dive down on this later. But I want to just share this passage with you right here in, in 2 Kings chapter 20. This is Hezekiah. Hezekiah, if, if you're not familiar, Hezekiah was a man of prayer. When the whole nation was about to be destroyed, he got a letter from the enemy. He got a letter from the enemy saying, we're coming for you. Nobody else has been delivered, so don't think you're going to get delivered. We're coming for you. And he took that letter into the house of God, and he petitioned it before God. In other words, he didn't try to figure it out on his own. you got to catch this. Hezekiah was a man of prayer. He got a bad report. The bad report caused fear in all the nation. The whole nation was given over to fear. Hezekiah didn't. He took that letter and he went to the throne. He went in there to the holy place. He went in there to the holy place and he put that letter before God. The Bible says he spread it out before God. And then he got on his face. In other words, what he said is, God, please deal with this. He didn't try to naturally reason it out. He didn't get on the phone to Egypt. He didn't get on the phone to some other country and try to find help from somebody else. He didn't depend on the arm of flesh. He depended on the arm of God. And when we get in a situation where we find the enemy down our throat, don't lean on the flesh, come back to God and say, Lord, deal with it. One old saint of God, he said this one time, he said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. It doesn't matter how great the problem is. Because sometimes the problems are great, sometimes the pressure is great. But our God is greater. He said the defining thing that you need to know is, does the pressure push you away from God, or does it press you into the presence of God? That's the defining issue of the hour. Things going on in our world. Politics can drive you away from God, or they can press you into Him. You can say, you know what? Forget men. I'm going to God. COVID can do the same thing. It can drive you away from God or it can press you into God. It doesn't matter how great the pressure is. It's how you deal with it that matters. How you deal with the, with the issues of hand. And now, now I want you to see this. Hezekiah, he got another issue, right? He got another issue. He got, a, he got a judgment that he's going to die. I want you to catch this. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, listen to this, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, Hezekiah just got a word from God. Not like these profiteers today. Oh, you're going to be wealthy. 
He didn't, get a, he didn't get a profiteering message from the prophet. He got the truth. God said you're going to die and not live. Now, and, and I want you to just point out, it says, thus saith the Lord. That brings some finality to the situation. That means that God's done decided, your hour's up, it's time. Right? Thus saith the Lord. You know what Hezekiah did? He didn't get his house in order. He didn't get his house in order. He went to the throne. The prophet, I want you to catch this. The prophet of God standing in front of him telling him, get your house in order, thus saith the Lord, you're not going to make it. And Hezekiah didn't take that. He didn't receive it. He brought it to God. I know, Lord, that you said this, but... Now watch this. Watch what happens. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I've walked before thee in truth with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now... What happened? Hezekiah got a bad report. He got a report he didn't want to hear. He didn't whine about it. He didn't complain about it. He didn't say, oh, well, about it. He didn't just take it and receive it. He got a bad report, and he bypassed Isaiah. He turned his face to the wall. That was his way of getting in the prayer closet. He didn't put it on Facebook Live. He didn't say, one, two, three, repeat after me. He didn't do any of that nonsense. It was now or never. He turned, he put his face on the wall, and he began to talk to God. He didn't go and seek help from a man. He didn't go ask for a second opinion. He didn't go ask somebody to help him out. He went to the only one that could help him out. He set his face to the wall, and he prayed to God, and he wept. The tears came down. That speaks of the humility, the humbleness, the brokenness, the sincerity of the prayer. And listen, God was moved. God is moved when His people pray. God's not moved when you stand on your head. God's not moved when you murmur or complain or when you get bitter or when you just, you know, go and gallivant everywhere, spread your business everywhere. God's not interested in anybody doing any of that. But when one of His children puts their face on the wall and begins to cry out in brokenness and cry and seek His face, God moves. Even though God had said, thus said the Lord, you're not going to make it, God was so moved by the prayer of Hezekiah that it changed his heart. I want you to know this. No matter how severe the judgment from men has been, no matter how sick you may be, no matter how filled with a demon somebody may be, no matter how lost or oppressed or depressed somebody may be, you bring them to the Lord, you set your face on the wall, and if you'll get in that place where you get broken for them, you break, you begin to cry for them, God will hear. Because God is no respecter of persons. He didn't love Hezekiah more than he loves you. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. In other words, God is moved by our faith, not our personhood. 
And Hezekiah, Hezekiah dared not go to a doctor. He dared not go to a man. He didn't whine about it. He didn't complain about it. He didn't get bitter or offended. He got righteously, prayerfully. He got right in his prayer. And look what happened. It says, it came to pass before Isaiah was gone into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again. Tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. Look at that. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. Now, you, 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 you may not make that connection, but it was that same house of the Lord that Hezekiah brought that letter to God. It was that same house of the Lord that Hezekiah brought that letter. In that same place where, where Hezekiah got one testimony, he's about to have another. But it's a different. In the first one, God saved the nation. In the second one, God saved Hezekiah. And both times it was because Hezekiah was a man of prayer. You see, the devil don't like it. The devil, the devil don't like it when you talk about prayer, especially when you combine it with fasting. But that's the only way demons, that's the only way bondages, that's the only way oppression, that's the only way that these things are broken in our lives. It's when you begin to seek the Lord in sincerity set your face on that wall and pray and get yourself right with God that God will move in your life God will move in your life Hezekiah's response was not panic or bitterness or to whine or complain that's that's our right that's that's what we do we get bitter or we panic what, what would you do if you got a response saying you're going to die? A lot of people would panic. You know what? In, in, in OFB Meyer, he said this about Hezekiah. He said, this shows you one, one awesome truth. He said, when, when, when Hezekiah got this word, he prayed, right? He prayed because he wasn't ready. Even though he was righteous, he wasn't ready. But after Jesus defeated death, you see a difference. Because whenever the saints of God are about to meet that day they get excited because Jesus defeated death. It shows you a difference there. But, but God heard his prayer. God heard his prayer. And I want you to know this morning that if you'll pray, God will hear your prayer. But it's, it's right praying that will change a wrong situation. Now, this situation that Hezekiah found himself in, that's as final as it gets. A doctor may tell you it don't look good, but when God says it's over, it's over. A doctor may tell you you got three to six months, and he's, he may be or may be not right. We don't know. But when God says, thus saith the Lord, it's set, it's done, it's established, and yet when Hezekiah prayed in sincerity, God changed his mind on it. God changed. Not, not, not that God's character changed, but God changed how he was going to deal with Hezekiah. And you know what? No matter what the pronouncement is, no matter what the issue is with you, things can change if you'll pray. If you'll believe, things can change. 
And, and you may be right. You may be here today, and you may just be in la-la land. You may be living in candy land every day, maybe fa-la-la-la-la for you. That's great, but I promise you there's somebody around you who's hurting. And if you don't have any issues that you need to pray over, I promise you there's somebody sitting close to you or around you that is devastated right now, that is in darkness right now, that is in demonic oppression right now, that has no hope, they have no answers for what's going on in the world today, but we do. We do. We have the answers that the world needs, and that is to get right. Get right with God. Pray right with God. And if you have to, fast, and God will move the mountain. Jesus said, if you believe, right? If you believe, this mountain will be moved. If you believe. Do you believe that these mountains can be moved? Do you believe that God can change a nation? Do you believe that God can save your children? Do you believe that God can save your grandchildren? Do you believe that this generation that don't know what bathroom to use, that God can raise them up to be a righteous remnant in an ungodly world? Do you believe that God can change folks in a matter of a minute? I believe. And I believe that if we as God's people will set our faces back on that altar and get right with God, I believe God will bring healing to the nations. And if it's not God that moves, we're lost. We're in a place today, personally, we're in a place today corporately, we're in a place today nationally, that if God doesn't change things, it's not going to be good. This is the hour that the church needs to rise up, and we don't need to clap our hands and do jumping jacks and set up a new carnival for people to come to and bob for apples. We need to teach people to get back on their face, to shed tears, to call on the name of Jesus Christ, to get our hearts right with God, to repent, to fast, to pray, and to believe, to stand, to hold fast to that truth, and to not waver. Like Paul said, having done all, stand. Sometimes you've done everything you need to do, but you need to do it faithfully and not waver off of it, not back down from it. Having done all, stand on the promise of God. Don't let the devil move you. Don't let the lies move you. Don't let, the, don't let anything move you off of the reality that God has spoken. Pray, believe, fast if you have to, and God will move the mountain, regardless of what it is. God will move it. With God, all things are possible if you believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? This morning as we close right here, I want to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord and, and meet with Him this morning. I don't know what the issue is, but I know who our help is. And He's good. He's good. He knows your issue more than you do. There's times that we have, you know, there's times in my life that I have issues and I don't even know how to articulate it. Some of the, some of the best times I've had in prayer is when I just prayed, oh God. God doesn't, need, God doesn't need your vocabulary. He needs the sincerity of your heart. Just those words, just say, oh God. And, and I don't, you know, there may be times when you know exactly what the issue is. If you know exactly what it is, give it to God. But there may be times where you've got a burden and you don't know exactly what it is. You can't put your finger on it. Just let the tears speak for you. Let the Spirit pray through you. 
I remember I was so I was so oppressed with darkness and despair one time, and I, I didn't know what was going on, and I just prayed, I, and I was weeping, and the only thing I could get out was, oh, God. And as soon as I got out, oh, God, it broke. I mean, it was like Niagara Falls stopped. I mean, the pressure just quit. And I, I'm just here to tell you just that my experience, because you may not know exactly what your battle is. You may not know exactly what the problem is, but God does. And he knows what lever to pull. He knows, he knows what to do in your heart or in your mind. And if you'll just believe that and just come to the Lord, I believe that he'll meet you here this morning and he'll move the mountain for you. Amen.